This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Saving money on everything for your next project at Menards. It doesn't matter what job you're up against. Works cordless power tools and lawn equipment have the power for you to get the job done faster and easier. The PowerShare 20-volt batteries run longer on a single charge, and they can be used with other tools. Check out Menard's entire selection of works, cordless power tools, and lawn equipment. Plus the weekly flyer today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. The winner is coming, Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with the usual suspects, Isis, the goddess, Annie, Corey Smith, second of his name, and Lord Thone. Corey Thone, first of his name. And we're here to talk about San Diego Comic-Con and the Game of Thrones panel. And we've got a little bit of filming news to talk about. But first, let's get into that Comic-Con panel. And Annie, you did the live blog. How did you think it went? I thought it went pretty well. Um, you know, I noticed that, that uh, Dan uh, Dan Weiss and David Benioff didn't actually say very much. They kind of they never do. They kept themselves very quiet. Um, they didn't want to give away anything for season seven, and none of the actors who were part of the panel uh, were basically. Uh, I mean, they basically didn't have scripts yet, and they've even said, you know, we we weren't given scripts. Um, so they basically couldn't give anything away, which I thought was probably a really smart way to handle it. Um, you have to be that way. Yeah. I mean, last year, part of the, part of the, you moving everything to, uh, filming later in the year also means that Comic-Con comes first. You know, last year, uh, there, people were already flying in and out of, uh, Belfast and were receiving scripts. And so there was definitely a level of some of the people who were at Comic-Con had scripts and some did not. Um, whereas in this one, you know, nobody had a script except for, you know, Benioff and Weiss, and they weren't saying anything. You know, even even uh, uh, Sapo, the director who yeah, was on hand, uh, he didn't have, you know, I mean, he's not even directing this year, so he didn't have anything. Um, I thought it was kind of fun to see that how, compared to last year um, – we had Natalie Dormer was basically the mouthpiece of the uh, of the Comic Con panel last year, and this year, of course, she wasn't there. And you had, I guess, Sophie Turner and uh, Liam Cunningham was the other one. Yeah, um, they were the ones that were really the, the talkers of the group. Uh, I loved the standing ovation that Christian Naren got. Yeah, that, I thought I cool. thought the the entire audience called out to him, "Hold the door, hold the door." But it wasn't <laughs> like they were making fun of him. Like it was a very sweet, very kind of like if you can imagine a crowd lovingly yelling the words "Hold the door" at someone yeah. over and over again. That's kind of what it was. Um, I also love the fact that Colin Hill, who plays Barry's, I mean, oh that man hates being bald. He grows his hair back every off season. He's got a luscious head of gray it's hair. It's so great. Um, and The silver fox. And it was hilarious because a lot of the people in the room didn't recognize him until he started to talk. Um, I didn't notice. I was like, who the hell is that guy? Yeah, I, he, he also does some other, he's done some guest stints on a USA. I think it was, I want to say it was Suits. Well, yeah, one of those kinds, and, and him and Michelle Farley, and he had the big head of hair there, so I kind of got an idea of what he looked. So when I see him, it doesn't startle me quite as much. Um, it still kind of takes a second where you're like, "Who is? Oh yeah, that's right." When he has hair, um, so yeah, <laughs> it looked like long white up there, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, that's when I did a little bit. Picture, I was did. like, "Is it? What the hell is he?" But a much more refined Ron White, right? Yes, not as white trash. <laughs> Corey Thone, I have to ask you a question, man. Did you hear? Um, did you hear about the audience member that went up and asked uh, Faye Marseille, the waif, about the uh, Tyler Durden theory? No, you had okay, to remind me. 
let me break it down for you really quick. There was this ridiculous theory going around. Um, I guess after Arya decided to leave Bravos, that um, Arya was never that there was never really a waif. That she was that basically the waif was a figment of her imagination, and this was a Fight Club scenario. In fact, it's called the Tyler Durden theory or the Fight Club theory. And the waif was actually Arya herself because when you see her fighting blind, she's swinging the stick at nobody, right? And then all of a sudden she gets whacked by the waif. And then when she cuts the candle in the kill room and kills the waif, we don't actually see her, see her kill the waif. And so, like, there's all these, you know, ridiculous theories. So this fan stands up, comes to the mic, and asks Faye Marseille, what do you think about this theory? Of course... She was very respectful to the fans. She's like, I think it's a great theory, but Arya's Arya, the waif is the waif, blah, 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 blah. Well, the same question went to uh, D&D, uh, Benioff and Weiss, the showrunners, and their response was shruggy emoticon. Nothing. They wouldn't even say yes or no. They wouldn't laugh. They shrugged. So uh, what do you think about the old uh, Tyler Durden theory since you're a lover of Arya and Bravo? <laughs> Well, first off, the Fight Club theory, in my mind, actually applies to Dorne. Not that I don't think it's real. It's just the first rule of Dorne is do not talk about Dorne. <laughs> but I think they shrugged because there is going to be some sort of twist with Arya and the Faceless Men and all that crap. But they don't want to rule out this one that people are kind of jumping on. At least they were, if not still are, jumping on. Uh, because it's going to lead them away from what the actual twist is. Because uh, more than any other fan base in, in TV right now, Game of Thrones fans are really good at finding little things that turn out to be true later on, uh, yeah. for the most part. And they also, the part of that's because they just throw every theory in a bucket and throw it against the wall, and then <laughs> uh, somebody predicted it. Well, yeah, of course someone predicted it, but... At the same time, I think they're trying to keep it kind of hushed because, like we talked about in those those episodes, the ending of that felt rushed. It didn't make any sense, and I was one of the ones, and I think uh, most of you guys agree with me, we're not done with Sexy Jesus, and we're not done with Bravos in, in regards to the influence is going to reach over wherever Arya goes. I so um, I guess they're trying to keep it, uh, you know, mum is a word or whatever. but Ambiguous. Yeah, at the same time uh, – I would have loved it if they'd have went, uh, well, actually, that's exactly what it was, and then we saw somebody predict that online, so we changed it. Suck it! And then, like, walk out of the room. <laughs> That'd be great. Isis, this is, these are the same showrunners who, for uh, five, for almost six seasons, wore uh, clues on their clothes, R plus L equals J polo shirts, um, would just tease that the R plus L equals J, and finally they showed it to us in season six. What do you think about D&D teasing the fans like that? Like, you know, not coming out and saying anything, as far as the internet is concerned, is basically confirming it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I feel like they're just at to a point now where they're like, okay, you know, we're not going to give anything else away. We only have really one season, but they want to call it two seasons. That's fine. Um and so they're just not trying to give anything away anymore and say, okay, well, now you're just going to have to work for it. Uh, if you're going to get anything out of us, you're, you're going to really, really have to work for it. So I feel like, you know, them not giving any, you know, teasers or anything like that is uh, – I think it's just going to add to the suspense and, and the fury um, you know, of of all the fans, and I think they just like to genuinely mess with people's heads. They, they like to mind, they like to mind fuck us, and and but we let them, and we love it. So it doesn't even freaking matter. Uh, I think that they um, they're really just kind of they understand that what their crowd likes, what their their audience likes. Um, I mean, if if that wasn't the case. I mean, I don't think winter is of coming winter is coming would be such a popular website or, you know, so or, or its own Reddit category or subreddit category, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just amazing. So I think that's, that was, you know, them not leaking anything this time is not, it, I think it's fine. It's not such a big deal. Uh, Corey Smith brings up a good point though. Corey oh, Smith, you're talking about the, the white Walker. Yeah. Filming. The white walkers that was in that uh, window. When yeah, they were filming King's Landing last season, or and we were—I remember when that happened. Everybody yeah. was like, "The White Walkers are coming to King's Landing!" Oh my god! Yeah, but they love to mess with us. I mean, they know that we're waiting on every single set photo and every person in an airport somewhere, 
So well, when, you, I mean, when you have they people, know love, they love to mess with us. When you have people sitting there for hours talking about what did Ned Stark and his sister say in that moment, and you have people for weeks still trying to dissect that audio and then yeah. or or what was it that what was in that letter that uh that Sansa sent Littlefinger and people and people are freaking going through Photoshop and trying to No no no. No 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 let me tell you this. I'm gonna, I'm sorry to cut you off. The biggest new thing is uh people are trying to decipher a Winds of Winter chapter by uh zooming in on George R. R. Martin's computer screen. From a video, how far back was this video done? For season four? Yeah, it was two, five? two years ago. Two years, two years ago. Yeah. People are zooming in on his computer screen, and they've they've got it halfway deciphered. Have mercy. Yeah, it's crazy, but that's how the internet works. And and Annie, uh, Corey Smith brought up a good point in chat. Uh, Savelle Kelly, uh, she showed up in Meereen, and we didn't really know what happened there, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Um, this is probably one of my favorite things from season six. For, for those who don't know what we're talking about, Shay. Yeah. So this is the Shay. actress who played Shay. Basically, um, they were filming – when they filmed the scenes in Meereen while Danny was gone, and, uh, you know, everything was going very badly, and uh, Tyrion and Varys were walking through the streets, all of that was filmed in an open-air plaza, um, which used – uh, I think it was from like it dated back from like you know the Middle Ages where they used to train armies back when this was a city that like had walls around it and needed to defend itself, and basically so because there's these high walls all around it, there were tons of fans and we had tons of pictures every day of what was going on in filming, and one morning you know filming was going on and suddenly Twitter lights up that Shay has shown up on set. Shay has been dead for two seasons. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, why is Shay suddenly here? You know, and we went through all these theories. You know, is it because that, you know, Marine is under siege and everybody's starving? Is it that, you know, Tyrion is like hallucinating her? Because in the books, you know, he's always thinking about Shay, but on screen, that's kind of been lost. And, is she a faceless man? Yeah, like what? Does she have a secret twin? I mean, seri- <laughs> no, no, seriously, like some of these were like ridiculous theories, you know? And at first, like people were like, well, well, she's, not, she's in street clothes. Maybe she just came to visit. And then they put her in costume. They put her in costume and she waved at the camera. And we yeah. all thought, we all went mad. We thought, you know what? She didn't. Sh- the scene that they filmed that day was in the first episode of the season. It was that scene where you walk like a rich person. Mm-hmm. And there is a crowd scene which is filmed in front of a red priest, and none of the fr- faces of the audience of the of the little audience of, of Miranese are ever shown. So for all we know, the actress who played Shay is in that crowd scene, and the reason that they're not doing any close-up shots of any of the people is so you can't see that she's there, and that they literally used her as an extra that day just to screw with us. And her and George R. R. Martin are really close friends actually now. After after her stint as Shay, she did a show for her native country. I'm I forget where she's from. Germany. But Germany is it Germany? And she came uh, back to Germany to uh, Germany. George R. R. Martin's yeah. house and um. Yeah, let me just did an interview. Yes, Germany. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Stone. You're I appreciate it, buddy. Is it Germany? <laughs> anyway, Austria, asshole. <laughs> anyway, they did like an interview, and George R. R. Martin took her to his house and showed her all his like scale model dragons and told her the difference between uh, wyverns and dragons and why his dragons were better than Lord of the Rings dragons and blah, blah, blah. I I watched that and I was like, oh my god, he's enthralled. Anyway, um, so, but there was a couple other things that came out of the Comic-Con panel. Um, uh, Bran, the guy who plays Bran, (laughs) my mind just went completely blank. Isaac Isaac Hempstead Wright. Germany. Sorry, I apologize. Germany. (laughs) I've well, got Germany on the well, screen. Well, I want to talk about the uh, the the uh, spoil not the spoiler one, but the one that the spoof uh, w- the video that you sent me. The, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The the blooper reel, the, the, blooper, the blooper reel. Yeah, yeah. We're, oh. we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. But Isaac Hampstead Wright was asked about uh, what's gonna happen. You know, when Bran gets across the wall, is he actually gonna go d- see Jon Snow? And Bran said, I, I imagine he will. I imagine him will go, and he'll go, and he'll tell John everything he saw. So we don't have a confirmation that that's actually going to happen if he didn't have uh, his Season 7 script. But, you know, Hempstead Wright saying, I'm a tree wizard, number one, he's a tree wizard. Number two, 
he um he's going he imagines that Bran will travel to Winterfell and he will uh actually tell John about what he saw at the Tower of Joy. Whether John believes him or not, although John has been resurrected from the dead, so I would say John's a bit more open to the supernatural now. But uh um, But at the same yeah. time, if, if he could show him, you know, just like he's the three eyed raven. Yeah, he yeah. has to be able to show him. Yeah, and I think that's something that I I hope and I'm not saying that it will happen or not, but I really do hope that it happens that there is, you know, one way I mean, I think that he will believe him if he told him that, but at the same time I think it would be more impactful if he showed him, especially if he saw his father uncle and his <laughs> mother <laughs> talking and uh and you know basically if he could see what happened in the tower of joy and what she told him i think that would lend a lot more credence to uh they've got to come out and say his name right they're gonna come out and say his name guys right well, is that a general consensus from everybody like we're gonna find out his targaryen name next season yeah and i mean you gotta remember too i mean winterfell has a godswood with uh with church. wouldn't be hard fetch to think that bran might be like Anybody get any bad feedback from Corey? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting yeah. some bad. All right, sorry, Smith. Your 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 mic got a little bad feedback. You might want to reconnect. But your mic, anyway. Uh, yeah. But what Corey Smith is saying is there is a uh, there is the Winterfell Godswood with the huge uh, uh, weirwood tree, and that's where he would definitely um, show uh, John and even Sansa uh, John's parentage. But um, well, at the same time, don't you think that you know, him being the last male living Stark that, you know, that Jon Snow would say, okay, well, you need to come to Winterfell um, and you need to be the king. And because, but he's not, of course, I don't think he'll want to be king. Um, but I just, Brand Bran knows he's got a responsibility. I think Bran has already forsaken uh, being a Lord of Winterfell. I think he's already decided he's, the, he's the three eyed Raven. He even said well, it at the end of last and I season, I'm the that, three eyed but, Raven. But the only way to prove to his brother or cousin, whatever, uh, to Jon Snow that, uh, that look, I can't, I have another job. I have something else I need to do is to show him, look, this oh, is agree. my job. This is, you know, I cannot be the king of the North. And and whatever you say, but I really do hope that uh, Sansa does get to see her brother because she already saw one brother, uh, you know, be killed. She knows her other brother. And then, and then Arya comes up from from the twins, and we have a reunion. Everybody hugs, and everybody's happy. Well, you know, for I, like I a do, second. I, I do have a question though. Why do we need Bran to actually come to Winterfell? Bran can just travel through the Weir Tree. You know, he can, in the but books, he's got to get you. In the books, there's actually a scene where Bran sees Theon in uh, in the Winterfell Godswood through the Weir Tree. Theon doesn't realize that's what's happening, you know, and of course all of that was cut because it was too complicated for the show to actually explain um, at the time because at that point we hadn't reached the Three-Eyed Raven and all that. But um, before Theon escapes uh, from Ramsay, he goes to the Godswood in the books and uh, he basically accidentally uh, runs into Bran and doesn't realize that's what's happening. I'm wondering, you know, since that was cut from the show, if instead of having Bran go to Winterfell, why wouldn't the show find a way to repurpose that scene but with Jon Snow? It could work. I mean, but the only thing with that is... is then where the hell is Bran hanging out? Why wouldn't yeah. at the wall go to Winterfell? Bran is at the wall for sure. Yeah. We we saw him dropped off at the wall. It just depends on if a he realizes he's got a mark on his arm. If the mark is still there, and if he thinks that that mark will bring the wall down, he probably wouldn't try to go through the wall again. Uh, but you never know. You, he might you know just be Bran like he was when he uh, surfed the Weirwood net without parental controls and killed everybody. So he might decide to just go through the wall without thinking yeah, about the mark. Yeah, but he's got to get away from the White Walkers. He has to put that... Yeah, he can't he's, He can't be on that side of the wall. He's got to get away. That's what I think's going to happen. He can't... I don't think Bran is safe where he is, and neither is Mira, and they've got to get across the wall somehow, whether it's back through the Black Fort, uh, under the under the Black Gate, or through its Castle Black, which where they, they're at Castle Black now, in front of it, at the Weirwood tree where John and Sam said their words. So uh, I think he's going to get through Castle Black, and something's going to happen. You got to have a catalyst for bringing the wall down, basically. So, um, but yeah, there was a couple other things that happened. We had a blooper reel that uh, ISIS. I know that you love because your man 
couldn't wink at you, but still, you enjoyed it all the same. Oh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It was so entertaining. It was a great way to kind of, like, open up Comic-Con with, with them letting this uh, blooper reel out. And, uh, and you watch it, and at the very end, you have my beautiful cinnamon roll, who can't even fucking wink to save his damn life. Like, what is wrong with this dork? But I still love him all the same. I'm, like, sitting there, like, look at this lovable dork. He just can't even wink. Um, but one thing that really kind of bothered me, I guess, if you will, is, uh, I guess during, it was during one of the panels that, uh, the girl who plays Sansa, um, Turner, Sophie Turner had mentioned that, uh, the entire time, I guess, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jon Snow was farting through his, <laughs> yeah, farted alive. <laughs> yeah, when he was coming alive and I'm just like, I'm like, oh man, like, you know, you have levels where you just kind of go, okay, well, you know, you forgive stuff. And then like, I People think, fart. I think, well, not, not like, like, it's, oh, Jon Snow doesn't fart is what you're saying. No, I'm okay, just I, saying that, like, you don't do that at fucking work. What the hell? Yeah, they do. I'm like... <laughs> yes, they do. Well, but you don't go, like, you know, to where somebody else notices. You okay, do look, a fucking the fucking down on the ta- How many hours do you think he laid down on that table, that flat, hard surface table? I don't care. Look, and everything just came bubbling up. Look, get all I'm little saying is that I don't want to smell <laughs> your freaking shit farts. It, Wait a second! Don't you think that your little cinnamon rolls farts smell like cinnamon? No, they do not. I'm okay. not. <laughs> but I'm just saying that I when when I found that out, I was like, oh man, it was just like, oh, it just kind well, of messed the- up the vision for me. I mean, there's some things I can forgive, but Jesus Christ, uh, no, I really did like the blooper reel. I thought it was so funny that. Uh, Tyrion, Peter Dinklage, can go ahead and say all these outrageous, crazy names of places, but, like, it came to this one word, and he just completely, he was just kept on messing it up every time. Um, It just shows that how human he is, that he messes up his own lines, too. Um, it, It was just absolutely awesome just to kind of see that that he couldn't say benevolent yeah benevolent and uh and then also to see um danny messing up her lines like she could have sliding in she tripped in on the way in oh well that one that was funny but no the one she was on the she was on the uh pretend dragon and oh, yeah. she was saying her, the dothraki words and she was like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she just kept on getting tripped up naturally progressed into the word fuck which that's basically well, what dothraki that, is yeah no, that's what she was trying to say anyway. So anyway, yeah, uh, it was it was so, so great to see that. And uh, and it, it makes you hope that there's not, that wasn't it. Uh, but the trailer was incredible. And I know you guys want to talk about the trailer. Yeah, we, we can talk about the production trailer. Uh, it really... So my bad. Okay. Well, here's, here? here's, the, here's the thing about the production trailer, right? Because I, uh, I, I, my degree is actually in theater, and I, uh, I did theater for many years before. This is my second career. And so that trailer was the funniest thing I have seen in so long. Like, that is our season seven trailer. Here's some set pieces, and here's the presser foot for a sewing machine, and here's the scripts coming out of the printer. I mean, it was just, it was, I, I, I literally was laughing so hard I almost fell out of my chair. They like, had to give us something. They, ha- they didn't have to give us anything. We know perfectly well that they haven't started filming. It's everywhere that they haven't started filming. So they're like, we're going to give you some season seven footage. And I'm like, say say what? But who's to say that Peter Dinklage didn't record Welcome Home, My Queen? I thought that was a new line. To me, that, that had to be a new line. I, and I don't remember it being yeah. said in season six. I don't remember it being said anywhere. I mean, I was thinking Welcome maybe. Welcome Home, My Queen. Yeah. Maybe he said something to Cersei, even or, or anything. I didn't find it well, anywhere else. It, so. Maybe it maybe it could have been it when when uh, Danny came home flying in uh, into uh, Meereen. What what and, men either? I've checked. Well, they no, had I'm saying it, and he and they cut it. And they cut it. That's, that's what, what I'm yeah. saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, well, they could have been specifically used it for that. Yeah. But there was also one other thing. Um, well, I they didn't showed the production. I didn't hate it either oh, because they showed hilarious. It was the greatest thing ever. Yeah. They showed awesome. the map of they showed a map of Dorne with map markers on Ooh. it, painted blue. <laughs> and I I know, I know. And the map markers were of ships and everybody says they're Lannister lions. They looked like 
how Stark schedules, but I think the consensus is they are Lannister lines, just really weird looking. Um, so what it appears to me as, uh, when I broke that footage down for, for Winter is Coming, it looked like House Lannister or Cersei's armies are going to meet Danny's armies in Dorne at, at the shore, at their landing, because the map markers showed ships in the water mm-hmm. and out into the Sea of Dorne. And then it shows the Lannister army map markers up on the beach. So somehow, some way, Cersei knows that uh, Danny's coming across the Narrow Sea. And she's sending her whatever forces she has to Dorne to meet them. And I mean, kind of a bold move on Cersei's part if that's actually going to happen. No, it's the be- if that's true, then that's militarily really intelligent because half yeah. of her, yeah, I mean, ha- um, a, a good chunk of her army is going to be. I mean, it was it's going to be D Day ish where you try to keep them from getting on the land. So get your horses right. in the boat. You can't get them out. You know, it's, but you're forgetting there's three dragons that breathe fire. Yeah, but everything. David, there's gonna be three dragons that breathe fire in King's Landing King's too. Land. You might as well right. try to. Hey, hey, other Corey, the the Lord hey. Corey hey. is talking. Hey. Uh, <laughs> well, damn. Listen, you go Listen. dig for turnips. No. Oh, <laughs> Feed your Lord. Where are the bloody pheasants? No, uh, just, but he, Corey, and I, I think, are in total agreement here that. It's yes. better to, to attack them before they know, or, or if either they know, before they can get all their shit off the boats, because that just makes it harder. So Yeah, I agree. But that I, my question is, how do they know they're coming? It is a big-ass... The like, Grey Joys. Yeah. So, ooh. The Grey Joys. Corey, Corey Smith has posited for quite some time the Grey Joys that you're it's on. Actually really, it's really it's really clever. Damn you, regular-sized Rudy. I'm just saying, there's that <laughs> ship. Think yeah. about this, though. If... If Cersei has nobody else to align with, like the, she the seven kingdoms shattered, like nobody wants to be with Cersei right now, except the people in King's Landing because they're afraid of her. And she Who's has the no next money. best thing? She has no. Money. You're on Greyjoy. Yeah, she has no money. She has no nothing. So I think I see her definitely getting with uh, Euron. I even see her marrying the motherfucker, uh, and I think that may be what kills it for Jaime. Is that you know? Oh my God! Yeah, it would destroy. Yeah, it. that, would, that be a- would be one of the things that I mean, and not that that I think that she would marry. She's marrying Euron for for love. She's you know she's marrying Euron to go ahead and destroy all her enemies and stuff. And I just don't think that uh, Jamie's going to be about that life. And uh, he's gonna be like, yeah, that's. I just can't. I, listen, it. I just can't wait to see the reunion of Tyrion and Jaime and Bronn all at the same time. That's and just Pod. And Pod. Oh hey, my God, Pod. Don't forget your Pod's in the north. Cock. Remember, that's what you wanted wow. to give him. <laughs> don't forget. You poor motherfucker. You. You and your shit ass microphone. You. Listen, and all we heard it. was cock. <laughs> All we heard was That's cock. all I heard too. I was like, muffle, okay. muffle, muffle, cock. Fuck. <laughs> and fuck. Sorry, was it cock again? I couldn't. <laughs> what's what's that? I don't okay, even know so... why I try. <laughs> no, but Pod's in the north, so uh, eventually, whenever um, uh, Tyrion does go north with Danny, he'll, he'll see Pod so again. So yeah, I'm once sure. again, and here's the thing: if what Isis says happens, does happen, the the idea that. Uh, you're, well, I guess Corey said Euron would join up with Cersei, but Isis like they're on the beach waiting on them, and uh, you know if that's what happens and they actually fight, and that's kind of the first half of the season, or at least the majority of the season. It's only like two episodes or whatever um, of uh, the season's like two episodes long, so uh, that would open up to what I kind of thought would happen in that uh, after Cersei is defeated by dragons and everybody else. Then they get that awkward, like, John and Danny are kind of standing there, like the two, what they say in Red Dawn, the two biggest kids on the block, something's got to happen. You know, like, <laughs> like what what is going to happen there? And they set up for that, that conflict or, you, you know, union there. So that would be interesting to have that happen, the, the Lannister defeat happen early, and then move on quickly to what to do about the North. So. And see, speaking of the North, uh, Sophie Turner was asked about uh, Sansa's role in reclaiming Winterfell. And once again, she feels like Sansa's overlooked <laughs> and uh, and that, you know, John doesn't – you know, I don't think she – personally, as an actress, maybe she just thinks she's being underplayed, but uh, – her character's being underplayed. But um, 
we've talked about this before. We got, you know, Littlefinger has to be dealt with at some point, right? Like, Littlefinger cannot be trusted. He's in the North. He says that the Army of the Vale has declared for the North. Jon Snow is the king of the North now. So even if Bran comes back and everybody's like, look, there's the true-born uh, heir of Winterfell, Jon Snow is still the king of the North. So whatever happens, Sansa and Littlefinger have to be dealt with. And right now, Sophie Turner, at every chance she gets, is saying that Sansa's being overlooked, she's underappreciated, blah, 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 blah. And it's just peak Sansa. It's just absolutely peak Sansa. Yeah, I think it definitely plays into her character. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think I, I also think that is classic Game of Thrones misdirection. So anytime they start repeating something like that about next season, I mm-hmm. typically think that it's a misdirect. It's a and especially, well, yeah, especially I mean, since they haven't, she hasn't got a script. She doesn't know. This is yeah. just her theory. Her theory is, and it's very obvious what Sophie Turner's theory is: is that she and Littlefinger should get married and make a run at the Iron Throne and be evil. Like that is what she wants to be her character's fate. She that just is what wants she, an Emmy. It's that is what happen. she is. That's what she's been promoting basically every single interview that she's given in the last couple of years now. Um, Basically, since she left King's Landing with Littlefinger, she has said the two characters should get together, that they should marry, that that's who should end up together, that that's who she wants Sansa to end up with, etc. So there's a level of this where I think it's very much the actress's projection of what she wants to happen. Um, I mean, honestly, at one point, um, a very, very adorable cosplayer as Blind Arya got up and said, what about Sansa marrying Jon Snow? And she literally Literally turned to David Benioff and or uh, Benioff and Weiss, and she said to them, "Don't you dare!" Yeah, um, yeah, that, that was, and she also she, she also made them all do vodka shots for the yeah. Um. I, I, she was she was definitely a little tipsy a couple of times where she was very much giggly about things and not so as cute. clear as she meant to be. Um, but yeah, as, as far as I'm concerned, like that's all of that is very much Sophie Turner's projection of what she wants her character to be and should not be relied upon. By the way, that that cosplayer as Arya introduced herself as no one. It was great. <laughs> like it was such an adorable moment. She was like, "A girl, this girl would like to know." A, a, a girl has a question. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Isis, you wanted to talk about Sam. What what is your? Um, I know I know John Bradley's there, but what what did you have about Sam? No, I just felt like um, John Bradley. You know, as he, he he didn't really have a whole lot to do on this uh, season of Game of Thrones. I think he was, what, in maybe two, three episodes this entire uh, season? Three episodes. And um, and I, I really feel like that as the Comic-Cons go on, he has been a major mouthpiece of of the show of game of thrones. Like, you know, he's not just one of these like, Oh yeah, I'm an actor and I'm just here doing my lines and not, not to say that all the actors are like that, but he is, he really, this is like his thing. This is, these are his people and this is his show. And he really understands the people who read the books and understands the people who watch the show. Annie, Annie can vouch for this. Usually when an actor or an actress steps up and becomes the mouthpiece, mouthpiece for the show before the season starts, that person is going to have a lot to do in that season. We've had Natalie Dormer step up last season, and she obviously had a lot to do with, um, you know, manipulating the crown and the and the faith before she died. I mean, Natalie Dormer was involved a lot in last season, and then before that, it was Kit Harrington. Kit Harrington was the rave. I mean, he taught. He was on every talk show, right, Annie? Like it was all about, um, you know, everything was Kit Harrington because it was season five, and he was going to be the Lord Commander, and everybody knew what was going to happen. So that's what usually happens. I don't know if John Bradley's going to be the mouthpiece for this season. Yeah, you don't. But... We don't really get to see who's going to be the mouthpiece for the season until after the season's finished filming, and who is it right. that they're putting out front over and over again. And a lot of times they do try to give it to somebody who is not going to be there after that season, so that they can get the most publicity exposure. out of the show. Yeah, basically that they can get the maximum exposure before they go. Think. Uh, uh, um, I think the most obvious one was Jack Gleason uh, right before season four. You know, the rest of us all knew perfectly well that when he said. You know, I think when I'm done with this show, I think I'm going to take a break from acting for a while. I'm really kind of done with this for now. We all knew very well that he was talking about at the end of this season, if not in a couple of episodes, 
Yeah, but you know, those who quick. those who didn't know about the purple wedding, like thought he was being like you know in a few years down the line, and so it was very much. And considering he died like literally this second episode, like the amount of press he did beforehand and build up to make him into this big villain was really like very obvious to the rest of us. I would love to see John Bradley as the mouthpiece, though. I'd love to see him tout. Uh, Game of Thrones season seven, especially if we're going to see him in Old Town as a uh, training as a maester. Um, obviously, unless Game of Thrones does a time hop, there's no way we're going. He's going to be able to, to be trained as a full maester at all in, well, in Old Town. I, I do I, love though. Uh, his his, his uh, somebody asked him how he wanted to die on the show, and he said a book landslide. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did that interview where he said that he was pretty sure that. Sam would end up being key to defeating the White Walkers, uh, yeah. which I could totally see that. You know, he figures out something down there in that big ass freaking library, finds something about you know either their origins or some other weakness that we don't know the about. White Walkers yet. have a peanut allergy. Oh shit! <laughs> or or maybe even They're allergic to shellfish about the Targaryens. I mean, yeah. you know, learning something about the Targaryens, what really happened there, may have been something that was written down somewhere. Um, or you know, John's parents. Yes, he could, he could find something about that down Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Obviously, yeah, like you said, Razor, he's not. He doesn't have enough time to become a full blood, you know, full fledged maester. So if he's gonna go down there, it's gonna be to just find something in the library that maybe it's been overlooked before. Because so, he has to have some sort of purpose for going down. I, there, so. I do want to say, uh, I, I want to thank your mic for hanging in there for most of that part. Well, so, uh... shit. <laughs> well, uh, you know, there's also the fact that um, there's a theory among book readers, and this is one of those theories that hasn't really crossed over into show watchers because they haven't done a lot with it on screen. But uh, book readers suspect that the Maesters were actually responsible for the death of the dragons and that they were the ones who encouraged the Targaryens to lock up their dragons and for dragons dying out. So for all you know, Sam could find something basically about being able to breed, you know, way more dragons um, or, or, or something, having... that, something that, that the Maesters have been suppressing about dragons for all of these centuries. Or even about sure. how the, the secret you know, uh, recipe how to forge Valyrian steel because I think yeah. that was another thing yeah, that that, would be that we thing. haven't. I mean, that's damn. A huge, Isis just nailed it. I like that I, idea. Well, I mean, you know, they made a big deal of pointing it out that like, oh, nobody else can do this, and he, you know, it's a forgotten thing. I mean, I really feel like that this is th there's a lot of potential there for Sam. And not, you know, and to be honest, I really don't even care about freaking John's lineage now because, I mean, I already fucking know I'm the I'm the person watching the show. But, yeah. I mean, give me something that's going to help me in battle to fight the, you know, this on, you know, onslaught of freaking undead that's coming through my gate. I will say this. Um, I'm we're on season four of our rewatch. And actually, we just finished season four. We're starting season five. But in season four. The very first episode, uh, Tywin Lannister yep. burns he, – he melts down ice, Ned uh, Stark's sword. And he says uh, – when he hands um, Oathkeeper to Jamie, Jamie says there hasn't been anybody been able to uh, forge Valyrian steel for like a thousand years. And Tywin Lannister says there are nine men in the entire world that can do that. And I sent to one in Volantis, and he read it. He reforged the, the sword. Hey, and what about so, if he discovered? I'm sorry, I'm just coming up with all kinds of shit now. What about if he comes up with the uh, recipe to cure uh, Westerosi AIDS? Ah, eczema. That girl with the mask is going to do that. Kate, that's right. Oh, Kate is going to heal Jorah. That that's a great little segue into our next topic since. We've spent 40 minutes on San Diego Comic-Con. Let's talk about Ian Glenn and Gwendolyn Christie hand, uh, heading into Ireland. And um, that's right. We've got uh, sightings of two Game of Thrones actors heading into basically the headquarters for filming of Game of Thrones. Um, we, we should we should bracket this with um, Ian Glenn, who plays Jorah, is one of the BBC regular players. He could technically be flying in to work on a different show. We, technically, technically yes. yes. But the fact of the matter is, is now that San Diego Comic Con is over, 
it's a basically about time. It's basically the time when we're going to start seeing all of the actors slowly head back into uh, Belfast, and we're going to see people going in for table reads, and we're going to see people getting scripts. And apparently, not only was uh, not only was Ian Glenn spotted on an airplane flying in, but he was definitely reading a script. He was reading a script, and, and only- the guy who was tweeting about it was like. I just want to run up there and grab the script and go in the bathroom and read it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he had he had Jorah the Explorer hair and and facial hair. You know, like he he it wasn't one of those things like he had short hair or anything like that. He looked like Jorah the Explorer. You know, like he's like it was blonde. It was definitely yes, blonde. Was blonde. England doesn't doesn't usually keep blonde hair. Does and he? he has the beard going on and everything. It was it was short, but it was you know it was like ready to be trimmed or whatever if he needed to. I, I really feel like this is this is a very good indication of uh, of him being on the on the on the scene for ne- for next season. Um, I, you know, to be honest, I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see him there, but if it was me and I saw Gwendolyn Christie, I would have been running up to her to get my selfie because that's, I mean, I would probably have to stand on a box because she's really tall, but I, that's who I would be fangirling all over and just singing. And her see, praises. the thing is Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Christie just finished wrapping up filming for star Wars episode eight. Uh, they finished on the 22nd. Uh, officially wrapped. So she's done her movie, which uh, that's one of the reasons we didn't see a lot of her in season uh, five, I believe. Yes. was because she was filming The Force Awakens. And she but was now, doing the, uh, the other one, too, the Hunger, uh, Games. Hunger Games. Yep. Yes, Hunger Games. But, but you know, the fact of the matter is the, the fact that Gwen Christie was also on that flight is part of why it really uh, bolsters the idea that uh, Ian Glenn is all, is, was going there for Game of Thrones. Because unlike Ian Glenn, uh, Gwen Christie is not one of the usual BBC players who gets cast in other television shows. Like, she's right. a different... Basically, she kind of skipped that and went directly to A-list movies. So, we have... Let's talk a little bit about Ian Glenn and Jorah Mormont and how possibly he's going to be healed. And we, we did an article on Winter is Coming about... Uh, theory crafting about how he might be healed, and it's my belief that we're we haven't seen the last of Case, the mysterious masked woman from uh, the city of Carth, and that she will somehow give him the secret to heal his eczema. Um, I don't know, but what would be really cool is if she's brought back on the show because Corey Smith, if your mic's working. Please, God, say it is. Um, you know that Case is a huge part of Danny's story in the books. Yeah. Can y'all hear me? Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, she's the one who kind of gives him, gives uh, Danny, you know, all these prophecies throughout the book. She shows up in Marine and, like, some sort of trippy vision type thing at the top of the pyramid. So I hadn't considered it before you brought it up. As far as Kate uh, healing Jorah, but I definitely think it would make sense, at least on the show, because she's someone you would know, and she could easily have some sort of magical, mystical way to heal um, Jorah, to very least stop the growth of it, like they did with Shireen. Uh, so, I mean, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense, and it would definitely be an easy and fast way to kind of get her, get Jorah back into the action, so to speak. Yeah, well, um, your mic has Westerosi-AIDS, too, but uh, <laughs> well, you know, I really think, I really think it's an thing. issue with your internet. <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing is about um, about using case, you know, because they have, in a way, shorthanded a lot of things. Um, I feel like if Jorah is going to get healed in the books, it's probably something that's complicated and is going to take several chapters. And well, see, Jorah doesn't have it in the books. So remember, it's, oh, it's right, not right, right. No, but if they're going to do the cure thing with the character who does have it in the books, who was cut from the show, um, then that's going to take a while. And they don't have a while. They have thirteen episodes, so they right. need to basically find a shorthand answer for this. Um, and they've and since we know that Game of Thrones likes to do callbacks to previous seasons, the reason I came up with this theory was it, uh, in season two. When Danny takes her uh, her depleted Kalisar to Karth, um, they meet Kaith, uh Jorah meets Kaith when he's looking for her dragons, and she's painting a tattoo on the back of a guy, and she says, this man needs protection to sell through the doom of Valyria. So 
Kate knows about Valeria. She knows that there's there is something that needs that people need protection from, and so that's why I think Jorah would go, oh well, I know Kate. I know that she knows there's something wrong in Valeria. That's where I got this disease. I'm going to go back to her and see if she has a solution for this problem. My thing is, I, I, I think they're going to combine a couple of characters here. We already know we don't have Victorian Greyjoy, the uh, captain of the Iron Fleet, and we don't have um, Gr- uh, John Connington, Old Griff. So, and I think Jorah's going to take the place of both those men in Season 7. It's kind of a theory of mine, a working theory. Um, it, in the books, Victorian Greyjoy gets a uh, wound on his hand that's starting to fester, and it could be a mortal wound. And he captures a a red priest in the sea, and that red priest um, works blood magic or whatever it is, some kind of red priest magic, and burns Victorian's hand. And after that, Victorian's healed, but his hand is charred. Like, it's a charred hand. It's burned. You can tell that it looks painful, but he doesn't feel any pain. Um, And it seems to bolster him a little bit. So I kind of feel like either A... Kate is going to tell Jorah, you need a dragon to breathe on your arm to kill this fire. Or, you know, let me paint some tattoos on you and go do a vision quest somewhere. But I feel like we're going to have some way, I, I, I feel like we're going to see Kate again. You know, when Kate was brought up back in, uh, in Season 2, I assumed that mostly she was there because at that point they were simply being that faithful to the books. But, right. you know, nowadays, now when we've reached this point, you know, it start, you start to wonder, like, what parts of the books that they had to keep. You know, like, I'm, I'm thinking back to when uh, uh, Harry Potter was being filmed, but the books weren't done yet. Um, you know, there was, some, uh, there was some line that an actor wanted to cut, and, uh, and uh, the, Alan Rickman, who played Snape, said, no, we can't change these lines because I know something about my character that I was told is going to happen later, and that will screw this up, so we can't change this. This has to be as written. Uh, and I'm wondering if, you know, this was the same sort of thing where they were like, we could cut that character, and George Martin was like, no, you have to keep that character because she's going to be important down the line. Because really, she only had two scenes. Yeah. I mean, she was such a she was such an easy-to-cut character, and yet not only was she a, um, what, did they have her in, but they made her really memorable-looking. I mean, that and they also, if you watch, amazing. if you watch, it was, and if you watch the After the Thrones on for that episode, it's on YouTube. They talk about making her look like Melisandre. Her mask, the way that the uh, design is, is the same design for Melisandre's dress, and she, uh, it's also the same design as the necklace Mel- Melisandre wears. And uh, Kaith is a shadow binder from Asai, which is basically what um, Melisandre is. She's a shadow binder. So. Uh, Right? Am I am, am I wrong? Corey no, Smith, I, I, you're usually. I don't think they ever identified Melisandre as a shadow binder. I, no, but I, they, she was from a shy. But she definitely knows how to bind some shadows, though. Yeah, I mean, e. I don't know. It's it's murky. I, I know they uh, they always said that she was from a shy, but I don't know if they identified her as being a shadow binder. I don't know. I, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure the but, show has never actually used the word shadow binder like on screen. I'm pretty sure that's a phrase that may never correct. have been uttered. Okay. Isis and me right now are like, I don't know what the hell you nerds are talking about. Yep, that's absolutely <laughs> true. That's, uh, I'm just staying quiet because I'm like, I don't know what the hell they're talking in about, fact, and I'm not trying to get into this. <laughs> the assumption that, that Corey made that oh, Kate is someone that show readers will know. No, she's not. We haven't seen that masked bitch since season two. <laughs> yep, <laughs> yep. And she only said one thing to Jorah and then Batman out of the frame before he could turn around. So I don't think anybody's going to remember that woman with her weird face bling. So Yeah, they um, would have to, they, that would have to be something that they would have to definitely cut to before the episode starts if she's going to be in an episode again. Oh, they do that all the time, though, previously on Yeah, Game but I mean, I'm talking about, like, they're going to have to show that whole entire damn scene because I don't remember. <laughs> I'm like... The scene, the scene, okay. If they were going to do that, the scene they would show would be her tattooing the guy talking about protection and dragons. Yeah. Fine. Yeah, I the, forgot that. about that scene. I just remembered the one where she was like, she needs your help, Jorah, and then he turns around and she's like... And runs away. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the last scene she's in, the last scene she's actually in, he goes to visit her looking for Danny's dragons, and she's and, like, "Jor the Andal, are you going to draw your steel? Because like she, you know, are you going to attack me? Will you betray her again? Blah blah blah." And um, yeah, the dragons are. She, she tells she tells Dora who has the dragons. 
Yeah, she yeah the people who stole the dragon, she's with them right now. Right. Like all, and then she's painting a tattoo on a guy, and the tattoo is for protection because he's sailing through Valyria. So that's why I, I put all that together. Oh. oh. I but, uh, still don't remember that, but <laughs> if she has magic tats, then here's here's the thing I'm picking up from uh from from the red women is they all have uh-huh. magic something. She has magic tats. And Melisandre has magic tits, and I'm wondering. <laughs> and I'm wondering what Kinvara has. This magic. Oh. And must be magic shoes. <laughs> yes. Not the direction shoes. I was going, Annie. But that's I where he was your going. Shoes. Well, no, 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 because you see, the thing is, is Kinvara is actually a brand of shoes. Oh, gee. Oh, oh, I didn't oh. know that either. Oh, look at that. Annie with the fashion yeah. sense. Bam. I, Bam. I prefer, my favorite red priest is is Hush Puppy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, what, one thing that I I took away from um, w- one of the interviews that I think it was two interviews that Liam uh, Liam Cunningham uh, did. Sir Davos. Caesar. Yes, Davos. Um, I, and I love him. I think he's great. But I oh, I yeah. love the fact that they you know everybody asked him about uh, the little girl who plays uh, Liana Mormont. Uh, talking about Mormont and uh, Bella Ramsey, and he just had absolutely nothing but great things to say uh, about this little actress who came on the scene, and this is essentially her first job. And I love the fact that everybody else could see what we all saw on screen uh, that were, and it must have been even probably better live. Uh, but but he said that after Bella Ramsey or, or Leanna Mormont gave her speech of King of the North speech, that everybody just started clapping and they were just in standing ovation. Standing ovation. And, uh, it, you know, she wasn't there at Comic-Con and everything, but she was very well represented uh, because people kept on asking them about about her. And and I love that Liam Cunningham, the seasoned actor was just in awe of this young little actress and, and really sees that she's going to be going, whether it's on Game of Thrones or whatever, she's going to go far in acting. Well, if the showrunners want to do do her justice, they'll bring her back for season seven, not age her up. They'll bring her back as she is, and she'll be like um, an advisor to Jon Snow. Um, you know, Maybe because winter's coming, they'll garrison at Winterfell now. All the houses and all their armies are going to garrison at Winterfell or something like that. I don't know. But uh, Bella Ramsey would be the perfect advisor to Jon Snow because obviously she's got Moxie and she's got that scowl down. She's got a lot of Moxie, so kid. I like she got a lot of like Moxie. cut of your jib. What are you, 70? <laughs> well, she's definitely one that will be the watching. The capital of Djibouti is Djibouti. We'll definitely be looking for her showing up in Belfast. And if we do see her show up in Belfast, I think everyone's going to be very excited. Uh, yes, I think everybody's going to be freaking out because, I mean, she has just brought, a, you know, a level to her her acting and her character um, that I don't think anybody expected from the show. I think they were really kind of shocked. I mean, I think they saw how good she was, but they didn't know how we were going to take it um, as show watchers. And I, I don't can't speak for her character in the books, but as far as as a show watcher. We don't know her in the books yet. You don't? Okay. Well, yeah. Then I think what they've done with her character is just absolutely excellent. So hopefully well, we'll see I will again. say this. Some of our commenters in, in on Winter is Coming talked about Bella Rams, uh, talked about Jorah Mormont, if he's going to come back or not. And they were saying, what happens if, since he's obviously sailing separately from Daenerys' fleet, what if he lands in White Harbor and is in the north and somehow is reconnected with House Mormont um, you know, he, he was disgraced, he left the house disgraced, and, but would Bella, or not Bella, would Liana welcome him back, or would he go straight to Dorne or wherever Danny's landed to go look for her? That was kind of a conversation in our comments section. I thought it was kind of cool, because, you know, the Mormons have always been there for, uh, for House Stark, and really we know that he, they've really been there for Jon Snow, so, I, so I, wouldn't, what I wouldn't mind seeing him show back up at at, um, at Bear Island or at Winterfell um, and basically have uh, Liana Mormont be like, and you will get out of my face now. You shamed our family. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Like if he says, give me my sword back, motherfucker. Yeah. Like I could really see her like be like, and no. Um, no. I don't no, see either no, one the of them doing that. He, 
you know, I don't really, I don't, I don't expect him to go back there. I expect him to go to Dorne. But if he were to go north and run into his family, and I could see her a not taking it well that he showed up, but I could also see this being a way of getting the news of Danny straight to John. Oh, like an emissary. Actually, oh I was God. just about to say that the, the thing that I because we talked about it before that the Mormonts have quietly been one of the most important houses in Westeros. They're not a big house, but they're important. And mm-hmm. for if if Jorah is able to go and convince Lyanna and John to sneak up on the Lannisters from behind, and because they're not going to be having scouts go back, you know what I mean? Like they're not right, going to be caring right. about that. To sneak up on them from behind and take out their armies and help Danny because Danny can help you fight the upcoming war against the White Walkers more than the Lannisters can. Plus, fuck Lannisters, right? So plus, Dragonfire will kill everything. So yeah, exactly. So uh, my whole thought is, uh, is it just came? It was it like Annie said that Jorah could end up being the person that unites John and Danny by his kinship with Lyanna and everything else, he gets a pardon and gets to go back to Bear Island, but instead of being like, I want to become the Lord of Bear Island, he pulls a Theon and is like, I just kind of want to not be in the desert for a while. That's cool. <laughs> it's and really not good for his I like that of, idea. Yeah. I, I'm really liking this idea. Jorah comes across and doesn't land in Dorne, lands in White Harbor, or Sassault Because there's, or there's anyone that I've, I truly, like, we all make fun of him a lot because this character has done some very friend zone kind of silly things back when there were all these great characters that we could focus our attention on. But his right. character arc has actually been really good. And he himself has done an outstanding job in that role. And I don't want him to die of grayscale. I don't want him to disappear. He's one of those characters that I would really like to see come full circle that, that he helps. Maybe he dies, maybe he dies for Jon Snow uh, defending, you know, whatever, and John names him a lord again and pardons him because it was Robert that cast him out. And it was, and, Ned, uh, it was Ned or Ned, yeah, Ned. it was Ned. Sorry, it was Ned that cast it, that made him leave and everything. So that comes full circle that John is like, you've, you've, you know, redeemed yourself, and, and Liana and you have re- have become one of my closest families that I could work with here in Westeros and everything. I mean, I just there's lots of options for Jorah. I just hope it doesn't end with him in an alley like like. Uh, Whitebeard, the guy, the guy that everybody thought, Barristan. yeah, that guy. Barristan like that, I just hope it doesn't end like that. I, I love. Well, yeah, and you got to think about it. He's the last. If if Jorah does come back and like like we're all talking about now, and he does end up becoming like some kind of a really badass emissary for Danny to to the north, um, he's the last one standing. Barristan's dead. Dario stayed stayed behind in Meereen. Uh, all of her male advisors besides Grey Worm and Tyrion. Which you know, Grey Worm was there, but Tyrion's new to the new to the advisory role. Jorah could come back, and he would be her most trusted advisor, and she sent him on that quest. So she would welcome him back with open arms, especially if he brings her an army from the north. That would be amazing. I love this idea, guys. You guys really did good. And I, and I, think, he, I think he would land straight on Bear Island because that's where he left from. He left straight from Bear Island when he got word that Ned Stark was that's coming. True. So that's I think true. if he lands anywhere, it's Straight back on Bear Island. You'd have to go across the Shivering Sea to do that, though, right? Yeah. Ah, I don't ah, I little play map around. Hey, little map just, once again, me and Isis like, I know, man, to go across the, the big blue wet thing. I don't know. <laughs> hey, Barth made it from Thorn to Marine in, like, a blink of an eye. So, you know, it's it's totally possible. It wouldn't be that weird. <laughs> yeah, but Varius isn't slowed down by wind resistance because they ain't got no junk. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's that's what's happened this week on Game of Thrones. We had San Diego Comic-Con. Um, we had a couple cool things come out of there. And we've had our first pseudo-actor sightings going to Ireland with Gwendolyn Christie and Ian Glenn uh, as Brianna Tarth and Jorah Mormont. So hopefully we'll be seeing more of that in the upcoming weeks. Um, until then, that's it for tonight for uh, Isis the Goddess. For Annie, for Corey Smith, second of his name, and Lowborn, uh, Lowborn of his, Lowborn of Mike, and Lord, Lord, yeah, from Fleabottom, and Lord Corey This has been Razor, this has been Take the Black, thank you for listening, Lollabobudas.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.